Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's interesting that you write scripts sometimes in your spare time as well as songs are certain stories better suited to songs and others to different art forms um i I mean i think that i don't i don't like to shove too many words into songs like i I like to keep them a little vague and uh screenwriting it feels like i can uh shove a little bit more of a narrative arc into some i mean i I, sometimes songs can be narrative arcs and but i i don't know i i don't feel like i'm like a bob dylan person where i can just like write verses that are crazy long and like poetic or whatever so with scripts i feel like i can get like my yayas out just you know just like writing dialogue and like fun uh, plots and twists and turns and stuff. Whereas like songs, I can kind of, I mean, you're, I feel like I can find myself to verses and choruses and stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it just, I get bored of one. So I have to do the other, I think at a certain point. Are you doing, are you kind of doing features or shorts when it comes to your screenwriting? Uh, when I write alone, it's, I, I've written like a couple feature length length scripts that are not very good at all so I like I would never show those to people because I wrote a couple of them in college and in high school uh and they were just like derivative and just kind of fun exercises and I was way more developed as a songwriter I think than a screenwriter like I was just copying people more when I was writing scripts but like I, I write with my friend now and we're doing uh he's like my childhood friend I've known since I was like three years old and we're like we do little, we're trying to do a couple pilot ideas, like just like 30 minute, uh, little shot, like one shot things. But yeah, just, just kind of, I mean, I think just cause you know, he's going to, he's, he's going to be a doctor and he's like going to Harvard online. And, and so we have a completely different life trajectory, but we are just trying to maximize the time that we have since we 
you know, can both be physically in similar spots because of quarantine and we're with our folks. So we're just trying to write weird script vibes, you know, together, which is fun. Why do you think you were more developed as a songwriter as opposed to a screenwriter from an, from an earlier age? I think it is the format that is something that I could accomplish quicker. Like I, it was harder for me to grasp like a three act thing and making a script engaging and uh, character arcs and just fleshing things out dialogue wise, et cetera, et cetera, that, that are like, you know, that are, I think makes scripts just dynamic. And I think, whereas like I, I listened to, you know, I'd seen a lot of movies, but I didn't, it was more for entertainment's sake. It wasn't like studying them. Whereas like I would listen to albums when I was like a little, little kid and almost like study them and try to learn like the pacing of albums. And it felt like I could, it felt way more doable, like a mountain I could climb almost like I could, I was like, okay, I could make songs that, you know, that like it's a slow song and a faster song and I could sequence a record. It didn't seem as daunting or as also like nebulous at the time than like writing a, you know, like a, you know, I'd seen Pulp Fiction maybe or something, probably too young or something. And, and <laughs> I was like, and that seemed like, I was like, I don't know how to do that yet. Um, and not to say that I, you know, I've ever perfected making music. It just like, that's just something that I felt more uh, ready to do, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting that you started kind of deconstructing music from quite an early age, though. Was it so was that like song structure and stuff you were kind of figuring out from just looking at other people's work? or I think it was everything. I mean, I don't think I knew what it was. Like, I don't think I knew specifically like, okay, this is until I started reading a little bit more, reading into stuff. But when it was more just visceral, because I, I would share, I shared like an iPod and uh, or I had like my brother or my dad, I forget, like they had like an iPod, uh, their old iPod that was like, it had no album cover on it. And it was just like that gray kind of re- like just whatever. It just had no color to the iPod at all. So you can, you know, it was a blank slate. It was just music and names and shit. And like, you know, my brother was the one with a Mac. So I would, I, sh- you know, he would LimeWire and like, uh, had CDs that he'd put in the disc drive and stuff. So I had whatever records he had on my iPod. Uh, so I would just have like albums on albums and he was into like nineties hip hop. So I'd like, there'd be like, you know, mad villainy and then there'd be like, okay, computer and like DJ shadow and all this like random stuff. And I was like seven or something. So I was like listening to all that stuff really, really young, like super young and like that, like, you know, when kids were like, you know, and it's not like they try to sound cool. It's just like what I, I was exposed to that stuff early. So it was like when kids were listening to like, you know, I still did like Green Day and I liked all the fun stuff. But then I also had that, like, you know, I would be skateboarding and like listening to that stuff too. And I think that leaked in and I, you know, to my subconscious. It's interesting. That kind of almost expresses as well that music is maybe a little bit more universal in film. Like you can listen, like you said, now you can listen to OK Computer at six years old or whatever but you can't watch like reservoir dogs at that age if you know what i mean yeah definitely i mean yeah if i saw like the ear cutting scene it would probably (laughs) really really mess me up but like okay yeah exactly like okay computer like the lyrics like you know karma police like you know it makes sense to a whatever a young kid i I got it you know you know it made the concept wasn't over my head and it was like cool and i and i and sonically you know it sounded 
everything sounded Beatlesque, but also weird and like future. It sounded like it was from the future and the past, and it was crazy. So I remember just listening to records like that, and you know, I got the first Strokes record came out when I was super young, and my brother gave me that like maybe a year or two after it came out because I was really young when I was like five, maybe five, I don't remember two thousand one, and I was born in ninety six, so I was too young to process that, but. I remember getting the CD like f- for my birthday one year because he just had the CD and and I had yeah music that sounded produced like that and it was all boxy and uh, garagey and that kind of stuff too. I was really interested in that and it was like every song was three minutes. So I remember I remember that vividly and being really like impressed by that. And I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know what anybody any band looked like or videos until I got like my own computer and then like Wikipedia and YouTube and all that stuff. Yeah, it was just about the music. Yeah, I didn't know like that the Strokes were super cool looking or whatever, um, or that like Radiohead, like the Tom York and all that like did crazy dances. Or I had no idea. I had no idea. That's almost at like the antithesis of where the industry is at, at the moment, where it's all about the image and all about the stuff surrounding the actual music itself. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I didn't even have the album covers for most of these records, so I didn't even know what the picture was associated with them. So I had my own album cover in my head associated with uh, OK Computer for like years. And then I was like, oh, that's the cover, you know, the Stanley Donwood thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What was and the cover you had in your head? Probably like, you know, like, a, a you know, some weird... 2001 a space odyssey looking thing you know or like some like some weird pseudo star Wars. i don't know you know some space thing that was like an imaginary kid you know simplification of the future you know and his cover didn't disappoint but it's just like it just all those just all you know a lot of records i didn't i had no idea what they what the visuals meant and then i remember being blown away you know later on when i like was a little older then <clears throat> i got a computer for school and i was like oh that's you know the visual element wasn't disapp- was gladly not disappointing for a lot of these bands where their visi- for their videos were like really sick and i was like oh that's cool it's almost like when you you know when you read a book and the film hasn't come out yet and you kind of imagine this whole world and what the characters look like in your mind and then you see the film and it's completely different to kind of what you had going on yeah yeah definitely i mean and it's you know and and in the best case scenario the movie is even if it's uh, a little bit um off the path of what you were imagining it still is creative and and satisfying but you know like worst case scenario you know it kind of squashes the vision you had but you know it's it's yeah it's interesting it was a really cool way to kind of just find uh bands and be you know everything is subjective but feel a little bit more closer to an objective view of just like basing it on uh just sound i guess and just not not influenced by like you know what jackets they were wearing or whatever which is cool it's interesting though that one of the records you put out last year i think it was friends wasn't it that you had the album cover before you'd actually finished the record yeah so yeah that i mean that because because as i got older because visual me i mean i always loved making stuff and drawing like when i was a little kid i, I drew all the time and, um like I, I, you know, I just was like super individual art and I kind of just like chilled. I just wasn't, you know, I, I, I was touring a lot and I just didn't have a lot of 
mental bandwidth to like just like, like draw or make stuff when I did it kind of looked bad and because I just was tired and yeah I would just I would read a lot about like uh, weird like auteur people that I'm nowhere near but they're just like cool strange people that would you know look at pictures and be inspired to make stuff based on the visuals and it was kind of you know and I realized yeah like a lot of times I'm on tour I'm doing stuff and I'm like oh that's firing the synapses and that's why I start making songs you know I'm not just like looking at the same four walls at home or whatever and <clears throat> and I was living in you know a house with a couple friends that are, were musicians and we were just kind of on like an off season from touring and I yeah I read something about like Bradford Cox uh, when he made like this Atlas sound record and he was like thrifting and found this like really, uh, like chilling picture that was just like really fr like freaky of this like little kid, excuse me. And he was, and he like was ill and it was like this woman taking care of him. And I was, and, you know, I was like, whatever, that's just strange. I don't think I'll get lucky enough to find something that grab, you know, gra eye grabbing. And I just kind of walked for prob I walked probably like a mile and a half just around the area where I lived and there's all these antique stores and thrift stores and stuff and I went to one that was you know looked like there was no chance of finding anything of meaning or value it was super weird like art just a craft store and it had like this little uh yeah this like bucket of like weird old fam like people's just donated their family pictures and weird stuff and then i saw that picture like that picture the 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 cover for that record and i and i thought it was super weird like this, this kid's faces and then i went home and i like uh, did a draft where i was like drawing over it on uh, digitally and then a uh, better artist did it but like i yeah i don't know it was cool it was a cool like re reversal of that where it was like let me start with the picture and then see what songs happen you know you know, like in that concept you know not making it too much of a concept record but just having fun with stuff you know so i don't write the same same you know tune every time yeah so it was, it was almost like a visual compass to center yourself around throughout the songwriting process yeah i mean the original picture is literally i'm looking at it right now it's like uh, my computer's sitting right here and it sits right in front of my <laughs> computer you know i've changed a lot i change around a lot of the other stuff that sits in front of my uh desk or whatever that is just like a visual stimulation but like that is always there and it's not it's not the album cover where i drew all like the weird satanic stuff it's just like the picture where it's all these kids just staring and they all look like adults it's just a really creepy picture but i just yeah it's still there so it's still still ringing some songs out of that picture which is cool can you see emotional parallels then between what you felt when you initially saw that photograph and what some of the songs conjure up for you? Yeah. I mean, at that time, <clears throat> I was super isolated and um, I was just like, yeah, I, I just came off of like just a time of like being you know um like i was on the wrong meds i was i was i i was i don't think i was even diagnosed with like epilepsy yet i saw i was just like getting these like weird nebulous seizures and random shit i just was going through crazy transitional period and also having to tour a lot so it was just like this like my body was like worn down and i was you know and i wasn't easy to be around so i had a lot of like distance from people and I was just alone writing a lot of tunes and I would, you know, I, and I'd self-isolated a lot just cause I just didn't want to, I just wasn't very social. And, 
touring touring was like hyper socials like every night seeing people uh and merch tables and all that stuff so i just i just would you know completely recoil when i got home and so like i looked at that picture and then like the where of all my friends gone that name like that title was like in my head so it was like i was like all right that's like the thesis statement you know for the record and there's the there's the uh you know, visual. So it was a little bit more focused than like when I sometimes make a record and it's like a playlist on my computer and then I get a name and then I sequence it and then I, you know, master it a little bit more. So it feels like it flows better. It's just like, it was, a, it was more of a project, you know, like some, another person mixed it uh, differently than I would usually. So yeah, it was different, different vibes. Yeah. You, you almost worked on it in reverse to what you maybe would usually like you kind of started with the broader things and then work the songs out from that rather than kind of drawing the broader things from the songs yeah yeah it was like it was like starting for the macro and then going into like the little micro cosms of the tunes and the sounds and stuff and you know it was sending it to a there was an engineer that i really you know this guy chad copeland and he's a guy that i really respect and he uh, has mixed some records I love, like he did Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan, and he did um, a, a bunch of records by his band Broncho that I really love. And he, yeah, so it was cool because it's the only record I have that's not mixed by me totally. Like I sent him pre-mixed stuff that had like, you know, effects, but he would mess with them and make them fatter and run them through tape and make everything just nicer and it was cool to just like yeah it was i was going from this giant concept to then zeroing in on like the final touches of these like little you know like the frequency on the bass you know talking to him about that so it was just it was interesting are you a perfectionist in that sense yeah no i'm like super super ocd about sound for sure like i'm it's yeah i'm I'm nuts about that is that where the song ocd came from yes yeah (laughs) definitely yeah there's there's no mistake about that yeah it's interesting as well, because I think that's the song you start off, you're kind of singing about a ball in the yard, right? It's kind of got that childlike thing, meta motif that kind of seems to pop up in a lot of your stuff. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea, the initial idea of doing like the Boyo thing was that it was supposed to sound like I, I was really into the idea of like sounding like a little kid or sounding like androgynous or just like not sounding like, just not like sounding, because I, I just like naturally do, like if I sing certain way i can sound like this like deep voice crooner but i i just like i have a couple different voices that i can i have i guess and then none of them are disingenuous it's just like whatever i'm feeling yeah so i started off just kind of like embracing this kind of like feathery thing and so i feel like it informed a lot of the uh lyrics of just being like all right it's about you know innocence and or innocence lost or whatever whatever uh whichever one depending on the 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 tone of the song yeah i mean the last two records that you've stuck out have a certain kind of darkness to a certain extent and a weight that perhaps things you'd released before didn't in the same way did that impact the voice that you chose for those records to deliver the music with yeah i think i i think i was consciously trying to sing because when i made my first record i think or my first boy record i think i was maybe 18 or 19 and I think I'm 24 now. So it's, so it's just, I think my voice has changed a little bit just like by nature of getting older. So I think I also just trying to like sing a little bit more in like my current range and then also just trying to, um, 
just do stuff that's like you know i was because sometimes i just like put like make rules for records like you know this record is going to be more fuzzed out and um my voice is going to be more like formant shifted and and reverbed or it'll be more clear depending on whatever and and the more recent ones it's been like song to song depending on the vibe uh which is which is just uh something like a new rule i guess i've made so each of the songs have different roles as opposed to the whole records having the same kind of set. Yeah. Cause I think I just like, I don't, I, I, I think I used to be really strict and, uh, because I liked like those like early two thousands, excuse me, like really one sound records where, uh, you know, the vocals were processed one way the whole time, like Interpol or the strokes or I don't know. They just, they sounded like really consistent, but then I also, there's also great records, from the 60s and 70s and also from now and all over the place that are just like the production varies from song to song and it still sounds like a record because there's still little you know saturation tricks and things you can do you know i can get nerdy about it but it's like but it's still it's still it's not this like blanketed approach where it's like all right we're just gonna like spring reverb the crap out of this voice, you know, every song, even if it's like a ballad, you know, sometimes you need a little dry vocals and I used to be scared of that. And I don't think, I think I'm way more confident and <clears throat> just singing normally and like putting my voice up front now. Oh, so almost a little bit, maybe less self doubt than previously too. I think, yeah. I mean, I think I just, I think it's like more, I, I don't think it, I think I always knew I could sing okay like I never thought I had a terrible voice it was more just like I didn't I don't love like amazing voices that are just like uh American Idol x-factor style voices you know like I I, I think like cool voices that are a little off beat or, or cooler and sometimes my voice to me when I was younger sounded a little bit too on the nose so i would have to like affect it or whatever but i think now maybe because i I don't know if i just smoke too much or if i or if i'm sing sing weird for too long but now i it's my voice sounds pretty weird to me without a lot of effects i guess i don't know i don't know what happened i guess your voice matures as well doesn't it and it kind of yeah, evolves yeah. and shifts in ways that you maybe don't expect. Yeah, and you learn how to phrase things differently and sing over stuff differently and like and like you can like sing quiet sounding but la- but like project loud while it sounds like a whisper. Like there's just different different things and like also just playing in different <clears throat> size rooms or like playing outside festivals and stuff like learning what the mic like levels are. I don't know, it's just weird. Just like eventually you you get used to it, I guess. Yeah. Like what you were saying, Elizabeth, it's like that David Byrne quote, I think, where he says, the better the singer, the harder it is to relate to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't really feel a lot from like people that are uh, incredible, traditional Josh Groban people. It just doesn't do it for me. But I like a little, you know, just a character. Even if they can hit notes great, it's just like a character or something really distinct, like distinct about their timbre something you know just weird and interesting and cool they don't have to be bjork weird you know like i love bjork but i just you know just like something individual that's not just like this uh homogenized 
way of learning how to hit notes and like almost like naturally melodyne and autotune yourself. It just doesn't really make me feel any, anything emotionally. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we were speaking about is the set earlier, the strokes record, Casablanca's on that has a voice it's very unique and very hard to mimic yeah i i mean his voice and it's also like it's cool because it's like they're running it through this like this like uh compressed this like compressor this like old thing this old avalon and it's like they're like they're like maxing it out so it's like just like blown out and his voice sounds like it's like you know through a little telephone or something and i remember that when i was younger like i would just listen to it and be like what what is happening like his because his voice i had never heard something where it was so mid-rangey and it would just sat in the middle and the two guitars were panned and so yeah just always mixing always interested me too and like and you know radiohead you know like Tom York's voice is, is really beautiful, but super weirdly beautiful. It's not like traditionally pretty. And it's like, and I remember, yeah, like with those records, it would be mixed loud, but then he, you know, I remember reading, he thought his voice was too pretty. So I remember when I first heard like Kid A and like, there's certain songs where he's just completely like just screwing it up. So, you know, with effects, because he just, he, he, he wanted to, he wanted to like obscure it and, and mess it up. So it's just interesting. I was always fascinated by how to like alter stuff, alter, alter beauty or whatever, supposed beauty. He almost does that thing on that record as well, where he makes it robotic in a way that almost preluded autotune when it came out like 10 years later or whatever, kind of making it sound quite artificial, but in a oddly pretty way. Yeah, just like adding that like weird, like slapback, fast like yeah. delay ring mod thing. Yeah, it was crazy. Was it always the intention for you to put out two records last year? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, like I love putting, I, I make a lot of music. Like I, I record constantly. Like, I, you know, like recently I've probably made the least amount of music I've made in a long time just because I've been off the road and I had two records just come out so it's kind of just like I want to play some of these songs live and it's like weird to just make songs into the void right now but um that being said like I still have recorded it just it's just kind of how I feel worthy of being a human being is like is like at least like once a week like making a song and like mixing it and feeling uh okay about myself um and so yeah so i sometimes that means that i have a lot of like a lot of rec like almost records or playlists that look like records and you know it's just hard to ask labels you know and people and people to go through you know press cycles and press you know a bunch of vinyl for me two times a year um you know when they have a bunch of other artists to do that for and and it's just it's just kind of a little bit boyo centric i guess but it's but i've been lucky that i've had in two instances like you know like i put out two records in 2018 i think and then 2020 um so danger is my was my old label and they're still you know really good friends of mine and park the van who i'm on now like will let me put out as much music as i want and so it's yeah just finding the right situations and also just feeling confident about the material but yeah i mean i i if it was up to me i'd put out you know like crazy rcv more amounts of 
music if it made sense i just have i, I just also have friends and like managerial people and stuff just being like yo you should probably chill out and let some stuff just sit and just like let people listen to what you put out and and you know not just just keep this perpetual motion machine because it, it could sometimes be at the detriment of like just people enjoying one thing for like a month at least or something you know i don't know but my, I just, I just want to keep going. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty restless. Does the process feel incomplete in terms of you know crafting a song if you haven't released it, even though it's finished? What's kind of feeling that desire to continually release stuff? Um, I think sometimes it is like depending on what it is. Like I'll make hip hop beats with some of my friends, and I don't know what'll ever, ever, <clears throat> ever happen with those but it's just cathartic to make them. But like with Boyo songs, yeah. Like when I know it's a song, like when I, when I have a really good feeling about one and I, and I'm like, this is um this has a place on a record um, that maybe doesn't exist yet. It, it does kind of make me feel restless. Like, all right, I need to like get something together and, I start, you know, digging through my hard drive and then I like, I'll be like, oh my God, I forgot I did this, you know, like stoned at like two in the morning a month ago. And I'm like, oh, this song, this is a cool chorus. And then I finished, you know, so it's like a weird process, but it's like, yeah, I just, that's, I just, I make music to pass the time and feel good about myself. So it's like, I just have a lot of, I just have a lot of stuff sitting and a lot of bad stuff that i'm glad no one will ever ever hear which is lucky lucky yeah at what point do a collection of songs become a record or become an album i think when or start to feel like they're an album as opposed to just individual tracks uh i mean it's 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 just like it, it at first it sometimes doesn't feel like one like i'll put a grouping of songs together and I'm like i don't know and it'll take just kicking a song off and putting a song you know, second or something and then listening to them all together and being like oh this is a record and i'm like oh that's that makes sense sometimes there's just like one ugly duckling t tune where you're just like oh that's throwing everything off balance off kilter um or it's or it's like the sequencing there's like three uh peppy tunes and then like the second side hypothetically because i a lot of this, like i have to think in vinyl a lot of times so like i i try to make stuff that would fit onto a vinyl onto vinyl so it's like under i think 40 minutes so it's like i think of the sides and i'm like oh side b is so boring so i try to like figure yeah just try to even it out you know yeah it's like in a natural way of structuring it if you kind of have the vinyl kind of ordering in your mind yeah, it's super fun. It's super fun to think that way. And it's super, it, just to have that option. Um, and to also, it's super satisfying because like when I, I've had it now with like, let's see, with, with uh, four of, with three of my five records now and I'll have, and I, we're going to do, we're going to do another reissue. There's going to be a couple more that'll be pressed to vinyl now, which is going to be cool. So I'll have this experience again, but it's like where I get the test pressing when it's, you know, and like the vinyl masters are sometimes slightly different because they have to 
they have to kind of be careful about the base, you know, whatever with the needle. And I, I don't really understand the science. And they, uh, I'll get the test pressing and I'll put it on my record player. And I'll be like, oh, this is this is a record. Like it's legitimate. Like I was literally, I'm playing a record side A or side B. And that's when it's done. And even if I hear like a little, like a drum fill that I'm like, oh man, I, ah. Uh, I, like I'm like it's on it's on wax, baby. You know, it's like it's like, what do I, what am I gonna do? You know, it's like it's there. So it's there's something kind of there's something cathartic in the in the finality of that. Is that catharsis linked to the closure of it? Are you do you is that when you achieve closure with the record? Yeah, when it's when it's out, when it's out of my hands, when it's when it's in my label, or or you know, even if it's like a digital only thing, and it's just out, it's there. Uh, I'm like, all right, it's, you know, I cannot remix this song again. I cannot add, you know, more synths or crazy drums or whatever. I just, it's done. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep, you know, lying in bed, like staying, like staying awake at night at thinking about like the percussion I can add to one thing, you know, it's, it's done. Like, I'm just not going to freak out about it anymore. You were saying, you know, a few moments ago as well that, when it comes to feeling like an album, you might take out track two and then move something else around and suddenly the puzzle kind of slots into place. Can that ever be paralleled on individual songs as well? You know, if you say you move a couple of verses around, take out a section and suddenly it kind of feels right. Yeah, definitely. Like it, sometimes you'll, sometimes, yeah, like a verse is, is, is really catchy and you'll be like, oh, that's a chorus. And, and a lot of times I, I have like, I have this like syndrome where like I have, I feel really happy with my choruses and then I want, I like kind of challenge myself to make the verses a little bit more, you know, as just as dynamic as the chorus, but in their own kind of more understated ways. I just do weird weird kind of little 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 kind of games with my head um and yes yeah, and sometimes they'll be like oh man it's this section you know needs to come back one more time and you know it's and, and with uh i record you know I, I run my stuff through cassette machines and compressors and stuff but it goes ultimately into pro tools so i can like move stuff around and it's it's easy and i also i do a lot of it alone so if i need be and i can play a part again it's not like you know i don't need to call someone up yet so it's it's pretty pretty uh streamlined yeah you're in complete control of it of every kind of part of the construction yeah it's like a fun little puzzle it's like how i look at it it's just like it's fun to be like oh, okay like this frequency range feels like it's missing some punch and i can like what do i have to add to it you know i have like uh, you know, uh, I have like these weird little dinky, uh, rinky dink or whatever. I don't know what, how to say it. Uh, uh, like, um, toy pianos that are like, uh, what that are like from what's it called? Uh, Casio. They're like Casio toy oh, okay. pianos. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. So I have those and like they're and like, I'll just like, I, sometimes those will just like fill out like a weird space and like they'll, they'll add a dream pop element or I have like VSTs and just strange things that'll, that, that'll feel complete. Or sometimes it's about taking away elements and you'll be like, Oh, I really hate something, something I really just, something feels overloaded. And then you'll take out like a percussion track 
or like a sub that I added and I'll be like, Oh, it's it's, the song needs to be thinned out. So it's weird. It's just like, it's fun to figure out the puzzle. And when I have friends that help me with it, that are really talented, it's also fun. Like I'm never opposed to collaboration. It's just like a lot of the time, I do it at such odd hours and I sleep at such weird hours. I'm such like strange hermit, like vampire that I just like, I end up recording at, you know, I just, it's weird. So I just, it's hard to do it with other people. Did those Casio pianos you were speaking about, did you have them as a kid? Yeah, I had versions of them. And then I think they just kind of, you know, I, I think I gave them away to like cousins and stuff. Cause I didn't realize the value, you know? And then, as I got older, I was like, oh man, like I want, you know, I want those back. Like I was like, I want this, like those, that really kind of weird kind of ha- like half out of tune thing. And also like the drum machines on them have this really like nice th- like thing about them. That's really kind of corny. And, and so I, yeah, so I just found a couple like at like thrift stores and on like Craigslist that were super cheap that like people just were like getting rid of that had like, like a th- something little thing wrong with it that I could fix. And yeah. And so I have like one or two, um, working right now that are like super just fun and inspiring. Like I've written songs on them from just like sitting on my, you know, on my chair watching, uh, you know, some, some weird YouTube murder mystery doc. And then I'm like playing some weird chords with like a, with like their flute sound. And I'm like, Oh, whoa, that's actually like by accident. I hit like a diminished and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And then I run and record it, you know, when you're doing that and you've got that YouTube playing, is there something about trying to get yourself into a headspace where you're not a hundred percent focusing on it are you trying to trigger something yeah because if i fo- sometimes if i focus too much on like writing a song or like being like meaningful or poetic then i write something very uh that sounds very intentional and it sounds like it wants to be meaningful and poetic but sometimes the the most poignant and interesting things that i've written and said are like my scratch vocal take where I just like was had no lyrics written. And then I, the chorus was like me repeating one thing and I was like, Oh, that's a really cool line. Why did I say that? And it's like stuff like that. When I'm like more in a flow state, I come up with uh, cooler stuff than when I'm like, all right, you know, composer mode, you know, it's like, that's just not, I just, I don't think I just don't, I feel like I feel lame and contrived, you know? Yeah. Was that the, the headspace that tough kid came out of just because i'm thinking about you know the structuring and that where you can have the nursery rhyme slightly asked thing with the kind of simplicity and the repetition of it yeah i mean yeah i think that song was literally like i was playing these just like shapes on the guitar yeah and then i just think i was just like yeah singing this like cyclical thing and i just it was kind of just supposed to be like a lullaby-ish thing and i didn't know if that was going to be a song or just uh, a section but then when I, I think I, and I'm, I think, you know, it's in my nature to then try to overthink stuff and then add stuff. So I think I try to add bridges and weird, you know, uh, George Harrison-y like stuff to it and like, you know, walk arounds with the chords, but it just didn't, it just sounded like I was trying. It sounded like that you, I was, oh, this is the bridge, you know, but the, it only worked as this kind of like cycle of a thing. So sometimes it's just like the flow state thing. Uh, I cannot fight and battle i just have to like let it happen um uh yeah do you almost find it more natural than to express ideas in a simple way and the complexity comes afterwards 
like when you're initially kind of have it in that flow state and it's coming out i mean i love simple sentiments like i love stuff that is encapsulates things in in few words that are impactful but that that, that don't because you know i love english i've always excuse me i've always uh you know I, I i was a huge reader when i was a little kid i uh i don't know i you know again and i i i don't like flexing vocabulary but i, I i've been someone who's I've been very, you know, like just in, in, into literature and just in, in poetry and all that stuff. But I, something, songs that have always gotten me are just songs that have taken some, like a bigger concept and made it really palatable for anyone to understand. And it's not like this exclusive, uh, idea that's like, you know, um, that is, um, I, yeah, alienating. It's something that's that's inviting, and and I think that's what music's supposed to be. So I, yeah, that's why I try to a certain songs. I you know I'll I I inject you know my experiences and I make it very personal, and I try to be genuine because I think being disingenuous in your writing is probably the worst thing you can do. But I think I also try to keep a level of relatability and and vague vagueness just just because that's how i could i don't connect with certain tunes when i was younger is like painting myself in a song and i was the character you know it was it was you know it was like finding a best friend you know in a song there's a phrase or a saying rather that i love which really ties into what you're saying there that great music is a simple message told with complex authenticity which seems to kind of directly link into your approach to it, i suppose would that be great so great music. Oh, that's cool. That's a really cool quote. Yeah. I mean, complex authenticity. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, and I think people also like, I think you can smell, like people can smell a BS for most of the time. Like I think most people are pretty perceptive and smart, especially when it comes to, to their means of escapism which is like you know music or art and i feel like when they smell uh whatever bs sneaking in they 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 know and they know they know it's not they know it's someone going for something and um that's why i don't know that's why the pendulum i feel like shifts a lot of the times in culture and people you know people get really like negative and fatalistic about uh, pop music and whatever but i think there's a lot of hope when for people uh just fans of music i see like a lot of tides turning and people just like getting into cooler and cooler stuff and younger kids getting into cooler and cooler stuff and it's just about yeah i think it's just about like believing in what you're saying and i feel like i would not believe in uh like uh, this like hyper complex um self-important message because i don't think that's my place in whatever little like tiny um crevice of indie rock i got carved out for myself it's funny as well kind of following on from what you're saying there i completely agree with you that people do sniff out something if it's disingenuine it's kind of ironic that a lot of the music industry is then based around la which is a city that seems to have that kind of slight disingenuine edge to it definitely yeah no it does it does it does (laughs) i mean it's a weird it's weird it's a weird place like la is a weird 
I I was born and raised here, so I have this very very lucky perspective where I feel like, uh, and I was I think I you know I was raised fairly decently like by you know I don't know like I I just I can I don't feel like I I get caught up in this this whirlwind of what's cool and 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 hype and whatever and going to these bars or what I don't know there's just there's a culture and and. Uh, just around just like the coolness and 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 indie music or whatever it's very small it's a very you know small world it's not huge you see everybody especially in LA and um and I think that at the end of the day um the people that I've seen really succeed and make it are genuinely really good people like I, I I have seen really great people um do their thing and make it and not really care about running with the flock. A lot of the kind of crappier people have been snuffed out. And so, yeah, it's interesting. It's like LA is the epitome of like the chessboard of, uh, you know, social strata chest puffing. I don't know, but it's like, it's also, I feel like it's also weirdly, can be the realest place too because sometimes people are so hyper conscious of it that they don't even want to be involved it's just weird it's such a dichotomy and duality if you grew up there what age did you kind of become aware of that and some of the slightly darker aspects to la super young i mean like i I, yeah because i went to school i mean like i went to I went to school with a lot of kids that were like, uh, the contrast was like, you know, my, I went to school with either kid, you know, it was like, it was like partially kids that were in, that were like, you know, bust in from inner city and the inner city and that didn't have, you know, like that weren't in great financial situations. And then the, the other, uh, then there was, there was just a spectrum. Then there was kids that just like were normal kids like me. And then there was kids that like, were sons and daughters and just people that were uh, descendants of like insane royalty celebrity, you know, whatever. And so you, you saw, I saw it young where it was just like the contrast, like that there wasn't one lane, there wasn't one way, you know, like yeah, I wasn't quality. exposed. Yeah. And I, it, which was cool. Like I was really lucky. The school that I went to was awesome. And I got to like, just be around every kind of person, but like, hyper exposed also to this like one percent you know crazy just like you know these kids with access to you know levels of money and fame and and whatever that 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 nobody had access to because it's la so it was also that dichotomy is so weird and so seeing that made me just be like yeah i mean that's it's not really real because at the end of the day we're all uh, we all have anxiety and I mean, not we all, but like whatever, everybody has their stuff and it's not, these kids are just as troubled, you know, it's nothing, nothing, no level of celebrity or socialite, uh, status is going to make anybody happier. So it never really seemed like a answer. Whereas people that I know or that I've seen that have kind of like moved to LA it briefly kind of is a romantic, there's a rom- like a honeymoon period where it's romantic and it seems enticing, but then, you know, it, 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 it loses its muster real quick. Does having that exposure and that understanding of the kind of gulf of inequality that young still profoundly shape your worldview today? Yeah. I mean, I try to not be, I try to not be, um, like jaded or weird about anything. Cause it's like, 
I've had a really great time. Like I've had a great, I had a, I've had a lovely time meeting. I've been exposed to really cool people and really wonderful, um, artistic people that are, you know, unknown, super known, just all different kinds of people just by, uh, the fact that I live here. Um, so I just try to take that into account and kind of compartmentalize that with also just the weirdness of, you know, just kind of how LA can be really judgmental and strange and very superficial and not, uh, not real in that sense. Um, so yeah, it, it affects my worldview, but I think I've also been lucky enough to get out of LA a lot just from, um, spe- you know, spending a lot of time with my family on the East coast every, like, you know, every summer and, um, and touring a lot, like seeing the middle of the country, the South, uh, and like learning, you know, to humanize people there. And like, it's, you know, it's not just this idea of an area and like a stereotype, you know, and just having a more well-rounded idea of just people in in my country, like in where I live, because it's such a strange time, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, what we've just been speaking about in regards to LA too, you kind of touch upon that in the title of the last record, you know, Alone Together in Los Angeles. It's this idea of almost the vapidness of it, I guess, to a certain extent. You know, the idea that everyone's together and they're out and they're clubbing, but there's a certain isolation to a lot of the social aspects. And I guess what we've been speaking about with the 1% and stuff, was that something that you very much kind of felt bleeding into the kind of emotional landscape of that record? And what you were feeling in those songs? Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, the the idea is that it's yeah, being alone together in LA. It's like you're in this, you know, you're in this like club, or you're in some area, you're in some kind of I don't know. You're 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 in this condensed, highly populated area, but you feel everybody's you know carrying their own weight and dealing with their own thing, and the togetherness, you know, and there's also just like you know you're there's these there are these uh hipster bars you know on skid row you know so there's like that duality you know it's crazy so it's like it's so that just it just in it just encapsulated a lot of what i feel when i like go downtown and when i just um just the whole duality of living here and i thought it was simple and i just like i and it, like it's it just i love simple you know like we were saying earlier so it's just like you know like it said everything i wanted to say in um in in five words so yeah if you knew as well that you were putting out two records this year were you kind of writing them consecutively and were you able to work out a kind of emotional crossover or evolution between the two yeah i mean so like they bled into each other in terms of like like the sessions quote unquote i mean it's just funny to call them that because it's just like me randomly making stuff but (laughs) like uh they were all they're made concurrently like it was just like vibe playlists uh where it was um the first one the where all my friends gone record was just like the darker playlist essentially it was just like the emo one it was just like you know i just was like those songs fit all together and i was due to deliver a record um to, to my label and I had I have even more B sides from that record that are just like sitting around that I actually like that are produced very similarly, um, but it was just like it just I just like kept on trimming the fat, restructuring, re re uh, 
um, sequencing or whatever. And so, yeah, that just felt like a record. But then I kept on making, you know, while I was making those songs, I would make kind of more uh, dancey, psyche, other songs and just put them on another playlist, you know, put them on another thing in my hard drive or on my iTunes. And I'd be like, yeah, these are dope. I just don't know what to do with them. They're not going to fit on this album with this gothic cover and this like weird ambient, you know, vibe that ends with cicadas and stuff. It just doesn't, it's not going to work. And so I had them just kind of chilling. And then this album was done and I just had these leftover songs on my computer that I just kept on bumping. And I was like, I really like these. And I would play them for friends and stuff. And my friends were like, this is a record, dude. And I I was like, oh. And I just like kind of sequenced it like a record and sent it to the label. And I was like, I don't know if these, like, you know, if you want to say these are B-sides. And it didn't really, don't a lot of, some of them don't sound like B-sides because they're not, they just don't have the same attitude. It was like some of them were just coming from me being tired of making such emo songs that I wanted to like add a little, like a little booty and, and a little light, you know? So it was like, it was like, uh, the, the label was like, no, this is a different record, you know? So I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know? So it was just, it was just a nice, it was a nice, nice liberating thing to be like, all right, I'm, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm not crazy that it was different enough. Like, that's nice. Yeah, for sure. When you think about songs like, you know, Ghost Noise and stuff, it's almost like you, I don't know, maybe this isn't particular, it's almost like you had to write Where Have All My Friends Gone in order to kind of get these darker topics off your shoulders and then Alone Together in Los Angeles feels a little bit more free and it's almost got more room to kind of go in brighter directions, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like Where Have All My Friends Gone is like asking that question and I feel like (laughs) <laughs> like alone together like whatever the second then the next one is like you know we're alone together in la i found all my friends uh and we're all going through it like you know but it's like there's a, but there's at least a catharsis and not being totally alone i don't know and everybody you know and having you know it's only it's about some relationships and some you know it's a, it's a different i was you know it's it, it does feel like a different headspace it just you know they were they were made concurrently but they're it, it just it's you know just dual sides of the brain i guess i don't know how in i mean both of them look at solitude to a certain degree like we're saying in different kind of settings how important is solitude to creativity for you I mean, I can't really, I can't, I have a lot of, like, I can't write on the road. It's really tough for me because it's like, I don't, I, it's hard to, it's quiet, all the noise like going around and, you know, we don't tour in a glamorous way. It's like very gnarly. It's like, we're staying either at like really weird hotels where you can hear people do weird stuff, you know, like next to like in the room next to you or whatever. And you're like, Oh geez. Or you're like, you know, on people's couches or so it's like very DIY, uh, in terms of where we stay cause we're just cheap. And so, uh, so it's hard to just be like, all right, I'm going to wake up early in this, you know, and my friend, my random friend uh, who lives with roommates I don't know in Portland and I'm going to write a song with his guitar. So it's like hard to like do that, but I'll have melodies floating in my head because it's, I don't need like an instrument to write stuff. It's just sometimes I'll just like have a chord change and melodies that I just like wake up and they're in my head. It's just hard to do that. Um, but yes, I need to, I think I need to be home and I need to be in like my little, you know, my basement and, you know, have my comforts and my, I'm very, I'm very much a creature of comfort for sure. 
Do you need silence to write? Not necessarily. Like, like I can, like I was saying earlier, like I can, I can like listen to podcasts and do other things and just kind of like half listen to what's going on and like hold a guitar or like be at the piano or have like a little keyboard or like hold a bass or something. And I'll like start playing something kind of like half doing it and like be like, Oh, this is a cool riff and then start altering it a little bit. And then I'm like not really listening to the podcast anymore. And then like, you know, I, I can weirdly multitask. I think I have like a level of like functional ADD that is I can use to my advantage. Like with my, my OCD and ADD, I think I I don't really want to get help with because I feel like I need them uh, <laughs> to to work. Uh, so yeah, it's funny. I just like try to weaponize them in my in my uh, in my times of need when I work. I like that phrasing. Weaponize them. Yeah, weaponize your OCD and, and ADD when you, not in like, you know, not against people, but just, you know, against your own demons, you know, because I just, I'll be mixing and I'll, I'll definitely like, it gets a little frustrating, but then at the end of the day, it, you know, my OCD does create like a better snare sound than I would have, which is nice to know. Do you have to create every day to feel fulfilled and be happy? I have to at least create something, even if it's tiny, like even if it's like a small idea, like a nugget of an idea, um, like a, like a line, like a cool line. That's just like, I like, like I, that I thought of when I was taking a nap or something or like, uh, like, uh, yeah, just a, a, some, even if it's like a microcosm of an idea, cause I've been a little bit easier on myself during the quarantine. Like it used to be like, at least every day I have to have like the basis of like some sort of riff or song. Like I was, I, I really was like hyper hard on myself about like really making a lot of music. Cause I was just, I just really like I idolized and I still do idolize like those people like, you know, like Jay retard and RCV Moore and those people that just like, didn't like just like always make music nonstop and it's like their job. So I just like, I wanted to do that. But I realize when I'm not leaving my house and it's like, you know, and it's, we're stuck here. Like I, I'm only getting like, what am I like? And I just like write about the anime that I'm constantly watching. It's like, I have to kind of take a break and like chill. And so I'll just draw, I'll make a drawing on Adobe or something. And I'll be like, Oh, that's cool. Like, I'll, let me, let me, let me feel like I am useful today by doing something for myself, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. The line between passion and obsession can be, a hard one to define sometimes and it's a quite important yeah. one in terms of kind of mental well-being yeah that's that's a great way of putting it yeah because i don't even know where the line because sometimes it does really become obsessive and i have like my girlfriend or my mom will be like dude like you just put out like a bunch of records like you need to like go to sleep or come down you know and i'm like okay you know because i just i'll just really make myself crazy um but it's just my own demons where i just try to i try to uh make a lot make a lot to feel valuable because i just don't have normal like structure where i you know show up at a job or or um go to school and have homework and stuff so it's just creating my own structure you get into momentum as well don't you like sometimes if you take a day off you then regret it because the day after you find it hard to refocus i don't know if you get that or no big time a big time yeah yeah big time big time the momentum is a huge thing. It's interesting, you know, what we were saying about the way that you can use your OCD and perhaps like ADD to your advantage, and they seem to kind of contribute to the creative process in quite a positive way. If you could push a button 
and take them away, would you? Or would you keep a hold of them for your creativity? Oh, I would definitely keep a hold of them because I think I would just become so passive. I've also just like been able to control them enough where they don't like impede upon my happiness because, you know, like I do therapy and I've finally found like meds that work and stuff. Like, I, I you know, they don't make me miserable anymore. Like, they definitely did in the past. Like, I couldn't sit down in certain classes. Like, uh, I would just have to go. I, I would literally like tell them I had like a like a urinary problem and would like just go on walks and pretend like I would have to go pee or whatever. I, I sort of like, I just couldn't sit down. So couldn't sit still. And I, and also with my OCD, it would like just about like certain things organized in a certain way, just like crazy stuff. But now it's not like that. I can focus hard on things and listen to people. And it's nice to have those things solved, but it's still the tenants of them. I think I've, I've gleaned the positivity. So I wouldn't definitely wouldn't hit that button. There's other things I would for sure, if I could use the button for other things, I would definitely hit it. But, um, what would you use yeah. the button for? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe like, uh, like insomnia maybe. Cause like, I, I definitely like have just like a, just a lot of trouble sleeping. You know, like I just have to, I have to take a lot of like, just a lot of like sleeping pills and, and, um, like just smoke a lot of weed or drink or just do something to sleep. It just sleeping is just like a nightmare for me. And so like, I think that might even hinder sometimes my songwriting. Cause yeah, I'll write late at night, but then I'll lose a day. Like the next day it's not, I don't sleep through the day, but I'll just be so catatonically messed up and weird. And so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe insomnia and yeah, something like that. It's tough to find a balance in life to try and get everything to operate on an even keel and coalescing yeah. equilibrium, I guess would be the the phrase to describe it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's, you know, like if I exercise more, did other stuff, I just, you know, I'm such a homebody. Um, and I'm also just so used to this thing where touring instills that, like, like you're saying that equilibrium and balance where I can go on tour and I'm forced to do physical stuff and carry gear all the time and play these like physical sets and stuff. And, um, so when I get home, I can be a, like a slob and gross and just not move. And it's fine where now I'm like, um, uh, this is, this is getting kind of scary. Like I, I need, I need that contrast. I need that. Like I need to get on the road. So like, yeah, my band's like texting me, like, you know, like, are we doing, we're doing Europe, we're doing Asia. Like what? Cause you know, the U S is still very nebulous, but like, it's just, it's just, um, yeah, I usually, I, I'm lucky to usually have that dichotomy, but now it's just so weird. Cause it's just like, I'm just like sitting around like, playing more video games than I've ever played. Like I've never was a big gamer, but like now I'll like hop on like with my headset with my friends who are all in bands that would be touring. And we're all like, just like, Oh man. And we're like playing like video game. It's just funny. It's a funny life right now. Yeah, for sure. Do you think just to kind of wrap us up though, is that tension that can be caused by the imbalance of various things in your life? Is that part of what fuels you to make music you think and be creative in that way? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a a way of um very con- like trying to control things in a way that I feel a sense of autonomy and uh and calm over like I don't, I don't f- I feel like with music because uh, yeah, there's inevitably I inevitably have noise in my head and just like a lot going on with the OCD and with all that stuff and just you know, I've just had illness and just stuff and just whatever, normal life stuff, you know, everybody goes through stuff and, and 
and you know there's just a lot of cobwebs to get through when i wake up in the morning and just going like all right like you know just the depression of the day and music is just such a beautiful outlet because it's like even if it's a chord change that feels really good and cathartic or drum thing it's like it's a it's an outlet that is always there that is um channelable and it doesn't it doesn't feel judgmental and i can make something terrible to get out the uh to get out the initial like bile before i make something okay you know Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 